Hey, it's great to get a chance to share with you guys today. I wish I could see all your faces just like you're seeing mine, but I, I pray that you're sheltering well and are staying healthy and safe. I know it's been said by others over the last few weeks, but I just want to let you know that myself, the staff, we're all continuing to pray for you all. I've been remembering and thinking over the last week or so ago, back to a few years back when Phil Strout, the Vineyard National Director, came and, and talked. I don't know, some of you were here back then and part of this church back then, you might remember that. But he talked about the need for three things, the need for wisdom, courage, and kindness. And recently I, f I find myself praying that you would all have those three things during this time. You know, as the number of cases of COVID-19 are quickly rising, that you would be filled with wisdom and filled with godly courage and supernatural kindness uh, during these uncertain times. And I've especially been praying for those of you who are, who are high risk, for those of you uh, who are you know, have other health issues that you're really concerned about. If, what would happen if I got this virus? And, and for those of you who are on the front lines, you know, the, those of you who are medical professionals, paramedics, assisted living workers, grocery store cashiers. You know, I, I think often those of you who work in grocery stores, so thankful for you serving us during these crazy times that God would empower you with endurance and strength and protection during this season. Well, if you've been with us over the last number of weeks, you know we've been doing a series called The Last Words of Jesus, where we've been looking at the seven statements that Jesus said while he was dying on the cross. And this weekend, we've come to the sixth statement, just one more left that JT will be sharing with us on Good Friday. But at, at this point in the crucifixion story, we've, we've basically come to the end. Jesus has only a matter of minutes or seconds left. He's struggling to breathe, and he knows he doesn't have much time to say much more. And the phrases that he's been saying, they're, for the most part, getting shorter and shorter as it becomes harder for him to speak. And today's statement is a textbook example of that. It's only three words in the English language. It's the phrase, it is finished. But in the original Greek, it's actually only one word, to die. So let's read this part of the story, and we're going to go back just a couple of verses to give us some context. Uh, actually start back in a couple of verses that Jay shared with us last weekend uh, that, are, that, that go right with this. So it's John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. It says this, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. That, that's the fifth statement that Jay talked about last week, and I would encourage you to go back and watch that video if you missed it. Verse 29. As a jar, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. To tell us die. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Tetelestai means literally finished, consummated, complete, accomplished, paid in full. As I was imagining this scene happening and Jesus shouting out, Tetelestai, it actually reminded me of a movie. 
In fact, I, I just recently realized this movie will be celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. And it won the Academy Award for Best Picture back in 1995. Uh, any guesses to what that movie was? You know, normally we'd have some interaction here, but I guess we can do this sort of virtually. This is one of the perks of, of being virtual. Let's pretend like this is a game show, the game show Jeopardy, and I'm a younger Alex Trebek, and, and that's the clue. In 1995, this movie won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Now I want you, I want you to pause the video here and, and, and make your best guess. Uh, if you've been watching with family members or roommates, maybe whoever gets it wrong has to do the dishes tonight or something. And I'll just hold this kind of awkward frozen face that you can enjoy uh, while you guess and, and look that up. So here we go. Well, that was kind of ridiculous. Can we edit that out? No, okay, wah, wah, wah. Wait, did you say uh, what is Braveheart? Uh, I don't know if you get the daily double points if you didn't say what is. Uh, but, uh, that, but Braveheart was the movie uh, that won the Academy Award for Best Picture that year. I can't believe it's been 25 years already. But I'm kind of making the assumption that most of you know this movie, or at least you've heard of it. But kids, if you're watching this at home with mom or dad, don't ask if you can watch this movie. They're going to say no. Uh, it's quite a violent movie, I know, but if you know the story, then you know that the main character, William Wallace, uh, is played by Mel Gibson, who actually directed the film, too, and his character is somewhat of a savior-like figure, in a sense that he's fighting to free the Scottish people of England's rule, sort of like how some of the more zealous Jews hoped Jesus would come and do, and hoping he'd pick a fight with the Romans. But at, at the end of the movie, there's this famous scene where William Wallace, is, he's been betrayed by his, uh, his friend, Robert the Bruce, someone who he thought was his ally, who essentially sold him to his enemies. And Wallace is arrested and imprisoned and being tortured and killed in this really painful way. I don't know about you, but it sounds a bit similar to an even greater story that we're talking about right now on the cross. This... Betrayal by a friend, arrested, tortured, killed, sounds all, has some similarities uh, to stealing from the story of Jesus. And I wonder if Mel Gibson was aware of, of some of those similarities just a few years later when he directed another movie, The, the Passion of the Christ. Um, but at the very end of, of that scene of Braveheart, there, with his last dying breath, Gibson's character yells out, Freedom! in this super dramatic fashion, right? And it's essentially his final speech in just one word, reiterating his entire cause and fighting for freedom for his people. Now today, as we look at this passage in John 19.30, we see uh, Jesus' last word before he gives up his spirit, according to John's retelling, is also just one word shouted out, tetelestai, meaning it is finished. That's a very odd thing to say just before you die, isn't it? It's finished? What's finished? Jesus' followers, they would have heard this and thought, maybe you're a bit delirious, Jesus. You call this finished? We thought you were going to restore Israel to be a great nation, to be our king. But you're about to die. Are you saying that you're throwing in the towel, that we gave it our best shot, but it just isn't going to work like we hoped? What do you mean finished? It's also important to know that to telestai 
was a very common word in their culture. So common that it would have been heard and seen, written almost daily as it was primarily used in business and would have been stamped or written on receipts. In the Roman world, when you were handed a bill or an invoice for something and you paid the balance, to die would be stamped on the bill as proof of that debt being paid off, meaning paid in full. Have you ever taken a loan out on a car or maybe your home, even a few of you, and you've had the benefit of paying that off, realizing that you own this thing outright? Such a freeing, amazing feeling that is. But debt in the ancient world was treated much differently than we think of debt today in America. You know, it's very common in our culture for most Americans to carry some debt, especially in things like a mortgage. But in the first century, debt was considered a criminal offense. If you had a debt and couldn't pay it off quickly, you would be arrested and thrown in prison until you paid that debt. Which doesn't really make much sense if you think about it. If you couldn't afford to pay your debt, you know, if I couldn't afford to pay my debt when I was not in prison, how much more am I not going to be able to pay it while I'm in prison? And how is this working for both parties? Like, and if I'm in jail I'm in, for an indefinite amount of time, then the people I know, the people I owe money to aren't, they're going to not going to get their money back indefinitely either, right? Well, that's where being part of a, such a family-oriented culture came into play. Whereas we're much more of an independent, individualistic-oriented culture. That was not the case in Jesus' time. You know, most often a family member uh, would pay your debt on your behalf. Or they would take that debt that you owe upon themselves. And this is, this is where the very simple, everyday word to die all of a sudden has such extreme, profound importance. Charles Spurgeon, one of the most well-known preachers in our history, when he was talking about this one word, tetelestai, in this verse, he referred to it as an ocean of meaning in a drop of language. An ocean of meaning in a drop of language. Spurgeon was saying that when Jesus spoke this one simple word, tetelestai, it seems like just one word out of millions of possible words that he could have said. But in fact, it's so deep so profound that its meaning is more important than all the other words in the world, more than all the other drops in the ocean. And in Greek, to telestai, it's in the, the perfect tense, meaning it's finished and it will always be finished, once and for all. Jesus is saying it's paid in full forever. The debt that he came to earth to pay, you're my debt. Humanity's debt, past, present, future debt that we, we have and will continue to accrue as broken, sinful, disobedient people to God. Jesus has paid that debt in full. You know, we are all uh, as sinners in bondage and imprisoned in our sins. We're all separated behind spiritual bars from God except for Jesus, except for what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus, our brother, our family member, the Son of God on the cross has done, how he has paid our debt on our behalf, we are free. We can cry freedom.
Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you might be thinking, yep, got it, know it. Jesus' death on the cross paid for my sins. It's just so easy to dismiss that. But have you ever thought of why? Why did it have to be that way? Some of us have heard this so many times. We've grown numb to pondering why. Why couldn't he just forgive us? Why did he have to die? Well, all throughout the Old Testament, when the people sinned, the way they paid for that sin was through death, through the death of another living thing, a a bull, a dove, a lamb, a goat. Something had to die in that person's place. Books of the Bible, like Leviticus, are filled with all of these specific rules and regulations about sacrifices and how exactly they're to be made. But the truth is, they only sort of worked. They only temporarily worked. It was like putting a Band-Aid on a cut. But after a while, a little while, the blood has, has leaked through a bit. So you try putting another bigger Band-Aid over top, and you just keep doing that. You know, leaky Band-Aid after leaky Band-Aid is pointing to your need to go to the doctor for a more permanent solution of getting stitches. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross, a more permanent solution. That's where Jesus comes in. He's the permanent and final solution. It is finished to tell us die. He's the stitches to our wounds, the ultimate sacrifice. Every year there was this special day in Jewish tradition called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, where the head priest of Israel, he would, he would take a goat and he would put his hands on the goat and out loud he would speak all of the people's sins over the goat. He would say things like, we've been lustful, we've been greedy, we've been materialistic, we've, we've hoarded up hand sanitizer and sold it on eBay for outrageous prices. I, I sure hope we, none of you have done that recently. But he'd just go on and on and on as long as it would take. He would say all these sins that they've done with his hands on the goat. You know, are, are you thinking of things that you could have said uh, about you this past year? I mean, this, this past week even? You know, the next time you take your kids or grandkids to a petting zoo, go, go, I dare you to go put your hand on the goat's head and just start shouting out all your sins. I'm sure you'd get some pretty crazy looks uh, and probably get asked to leave the petting zoo, right? But, but they would then, they would take this goat, after they did this, they would take this goat and put it out in the desert, out into the wilderness. And they would leave it out there till it, it died of starvation or more likely it was probably mauled by a lion. It's a pretty weird ritual, right? In our day and age, we would think this is, this is so odd. But it was a physical, symbolic way of atoning the debt of their sins onto something else. In this case, a scapegoat. That's where the term comes from. So that in a spiritual way, the people would be made right with God for that next coming year. This phrase, atonement, or the day of atonement, is best understood by breaking it apart and thinking of it as at-one-ment. Atonement means being at one with God, being made right before God. That Jesus is our final, paid in full, sacrificial atoning goat. 
And he's also our final paid in full sacrificial Passover lamb. You know, back in John 19, 29, 30 that we read, we read this. It says this again, I'll remind you. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's interesting that Jesus said, it is finished, right after he expressed his thirst and drank from a sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant. Doesn't that seem unusual? I mean, why isn't Jesus taking a drink from a cup? Oh yeah, Andrew, because I drink from a sponge all the time, right? Said no one, you know? But why the, but not only that, why the specific detail of using the stalk of a hyssop plant? You know, why doesn't it just say on a stick or on a branch? Why does John take the time to go into such specific detail? Well, it's because much earlier in the Bible, back in the book of Exodus, there's the classic story of, of Moses going to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go, right? You know the story? And Pharaoh kept saying, no way, until the final last plague, right? The Passover. That was where the angel of death went through and killed the firstborn son of every single family, including the prince, Pharaoh's son. Unless what happened? Unless the family took the blood of a sacrificed lamb and smeared it over the doorpost of their homes, right? But do you know what they smeared the blood with? Exodus 12, 21 and 22 says this. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of your door of your house until morning. Jesus is the once and for all Passover lamb who died so that we didn't have to. He is the firstborn son of God who took our place and died on our behalf. It's his blood that is the metaphorical blood that was smeared over our doorpost, spread with hyssop, so that we can be rescued and saved. To tell us die. It's finished. The most amazing and miraculous word that Jesus could have ever said, and yet, if we're honest, I know it doesn't always feel quite finished. I still feel unfinished sometimes, a prisoner of my own sin. The world still seems unfinished and imprisoned at times, right? COVID-19 is a clear example of how the world is still not functioning like God has originally made it to do. We are right now kind of confined prisoners in our own homes, right? Some of us are have worries and debts that are stacking up as as. As I know some of you can't work right now. You've, you've been laid off temporarily. But we can have hope. We can have hope that this too will eventually be finished. That what Jesus did on the cross paid it in full, once and for all, our sins and, and the effects of sins. That we can have hope that in this difficult season, it will eventually be finished too. It will end. This is the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. That we see God move and restore some things completely now, but, but yet the effects uh, of being part of this sinful, broken world, they're still in process of 
of being, of being healed, of being complete, of being finished. But we can know with confidence that Jesus has, has stitched us up, that we no longer have to keep putting on leaky band-aids on over and over again, that we can shout freedom because he has set us free. Now I'm gonna invite Naomi to come back up and lead us in one more worship song. And, and during this song, as we prepare for Easter this week, you know, as we get excited to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to go to God during this song and think about Jesus as being the final sacrificial lamb, the final atoning scapegoat. Think about and, and confess your sins to God in this time. Imagine them being put on Jesus' head as he's on the cross, just like the sins were put on the scapegoat. And after you say your sins to him and you confess your sins to him, then hear him say to you, it's finished. It's paid in full. You don't have to carry that anymore. So let's worship. And during that last song, I hope that you encountered God's presence during that time of prayer and worship. And let me just say a quick blessing over you. Jesus, thank you for to tell us die. Thank you for paying for our sins in full. Thank you for making it finished once and for all. We receive the free gift of your atoning and sacrificial act on the cross. And I just speak health and wholeness, protection and provision over every single individual and family watching and listening during this crazy season. And I just pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'll bless you all. Hey, don't forget to invite your family, friends, neighbors to join us online for Good Friday. Uh, and then also on Easter Sunday, we love you and we will be praying for you. Bless you guys.